This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. This Friday, it's brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today we have our usual Friday look at grain markets this week. Both wheat and canola have taken a drop. They've dropped a bit. SAS Tip releases its rural crime of the month. Real Agriculture talks about trust in the food system. We have an update on Manitoba crops. And the annual Farm Toy Show opens tomorrow in Regina. The farm weather is in its usual spot. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. Grain markets were showing a downward slide this past week. PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Pacallo says canola was down $17 per metric ton for the week, while spring wheat futures dropped $0.16 cents a bushel. Well, Jim, starting off on the canola front, the November contract is coming up to expiry, so you may still have that on your watch list, but really you should be watching the January contract, which this week was down approximately $17 a ton on the week. Today we're down about $5, sitting at $8.63 a ton. On the Minneapolis wheat front, we saw a decline of approximately 16 cents a bushel. Today, we're down about 3 cents. And the trend has changed a little bit lower on the charts here on the wheat front. We've seen this week still strong gains in the U.S. dollar. It has backed off from the highs, but there's been reports of rain in Argentina and really mixed views on the future of the export corridor out of Ukraine has kind of helped pressure the wheat market down kind of this week. As for the canola side of things, when looking at the soybean market, it seems to have the supply fundamentals for more selling on the bean side of things. Again, strength in the U.S. dollar, rain in Argentina are seen as negative forces for soybeans as well, too. We did see soybean oil close at the highest level since June 16th. So I think that's been supportive for canola recently. The short drop in palm oil sparked follow through selling for the oil overnight, which I think is why we've seen canola maybe come off from the recent highs. But overall, the trend is still shaping up to potentially go higher in the winter months, potentially. And what are the factors behind you see pushing up prices over the next coming months? Well, we've talked about how yields and production might be still lower on the canola front relative to what stats can predict it. And I do believe as well, too, that we are seeing that below that 19 million tons potentially, which should be supportive for canola going forward. As well, too, the Canadian dollar, I think, is going to stay kind of lower here, which if the U.S. dollar wants to keep pushing up, that is obviously going to potentially drive down kind of the attraction of of U.S. exports of grain, which we might see the Canadian side actually pick up a little bit. 
you touched on this. What do you see the Russia-Ukraine war? What impact is it going to have on markets this winter? Well, I think that's, you know, a question that nobody really knows the answer to, uh, to be honest. But I touched on this actually to clients this week is that there have been ideas that a new export deal for Ukraine to move grains out of the Black Sea region will not be done until at least mid-November. And the reason is, is because we might see Putin, uh, this is a report out of Reuters, use a possible extension of the UN brokered Black Sea grain deal to gain leverage in next month's G20 summit. So the G20 summit is on November 15th and the grain export deal from Ukraine expires November 19th. So we might see again, kind of next month, you know, at that play an important factor in, in wheat prices potentially. What would Putin hope to get at the G20? I'm not sure, to be honest, but from what we've seen in the past, he wants to potentially seen be seen as having a, a strong stance on what he's doing in Ukraine, and that could definitely impact grain markets going forward. Adam Pacallo is a Commodity Futures Advisor with PI. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch eavesdrops. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavesdrops.ca and your Prairie Co-op Grow Team. Fueling farms, feeding families in Cupar, Ituna, Lipton and Strasburg. SAS Tip has released its Rural Crime of the Month. SAS Tip Communication Coordinator and Conservation Officer Cody Osborne says Saskatoon Conservation Officers found a dead white-tailed deer on October 1st west of Delisle with much of the animal just left to waste. Well, in October here, we've had a few uh, violations start coming up. The first one being uh, on October 1st of this year, Saskatoon Conservation Officers got information regarding a white-tailed deer found in the ditch exactly 10 kilometers west of Delisle on the boundary of RMs of Vanskoy and Purdue. So after investigation, a, a white-tailed buck was located that had been partially partially butchered, but the majority left to waste. It was shot and some incidents was collected, but officers are requesting uh, the public's help to get more information. Uh, it's believed to have occurred sometime between 4 p.m. on Friday, September 30th, and 11 a.m. on Saturday, October 1st. So you're asking public's help for that. Tell me about some of the other unethical violations that you find being committed. Well, most of the violations we run into are ones where hunters fail to inform themselves and do not know the regulations or didn't read the synopsis as they should have. Unfortunately, the unethical hunters that do know better and intentionally choose to violate the law. Most of the time, this is for personal gain, like trying to get an advantage over over the ethical hunters and the fair chase principle. And then there's also deliberate poachers who do not care about conservation or preservation of the resource and poach for ego or profit. So some of the unethical violations, hunters breaking the law for personal gain could be found carrying a loaded firearm in a vehicle or on an ATV. These people will drive around with their firearm loaded until they see an animal, then quickly jump out and shoot or just shoot right from the vehicle. So this doesn't give the animal much of a fighting chance. It's also a huge safety risk to have a loaded firearm in a tight area where something may bump the trigger and cause that firearm to go off. So at minimum, you're going to cause significant damage to your vehicle, and you could cause serious injury or death to yourself or a passenger. So because of this, no ammunition is allowed in the chamber or magazine of a firearm while it's in a vehicle. Anyone caught with a loaded firearm will have their firearm seized and get a $480 fine and lose their hunting privileges for a year. Second violation that some people commit uh, is offering to pay for hunting access to land or asking for payment for access to your own land. 
While landowners can certainly decide who gets to come onto their land, they cannot start charging fees. Hunting is supposed to be inclusive for everyone that wants to hunt, and paying for access is a form of trafficking, which starts to put a demand on the wildlife that may not be sustainable for the future. People that sell hunting rights to land could face a fine of $1,400 and lose their hunting privileges for one year or longer. So what are some of the more serious violations? Well, conservation officers take all violations seriously, but there are certainly some violations that can be considered more of a safety or conservation issue. Officers get called all the time about animals that are shot and left to waste, as we just talked about, or just the head and antlers are taken. These are the violations that rob others the opportunity to harvest that animal legally and show complete disrespect to the animal by wasting hundreds of pounds of meat. Poachers who just take the head are in it for the ego boost of having a trophy animal mounted on their wall and have no regard for doing things legally. Depending on the other violations committed, these individuals can be fined from $2,800 to tens of thousands of dollars and face forfeiture of any equipment used and loss of hunting privileges for several years. Uh, Some of the most serious violations involve hunting at night and hunting with the aid of artificial light. As most people know, most animals are more active at night, and some people see that as an opportunity to increase their chance at harvesting an animal. This is obviously a huge safety concern because at night you can't see what's going on around you. Part of hunter education and safe hunting is to know your target and beyond. At night, when you're focused on some shape in a field, you don't know for sure what you're looking at, and you certainly don't know what is in front of or behind it. Despite what some may think, a flashlight does not provide enough visibility to make this safe. These violations also carry equipment seizures and hunting suspensions, and a judge will determine what you'll get for a fine. Cody Osborne is the SAS TIP Communication Coordinator and a Conservation Officer. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. Bernard Tobin here at the Canadian Centre for Food Integrity, the Public Trust Summit for 2022. Joined now by Ashley Bruner. She is CCFI's Research Coordinator. Let's, let's talk about the objectives for 2022. What's on deck for this year? This year, it's it's a lot of our key questions, tracking consumer perceptions and attitudes about the food system, uh, measuring their trust in the food system, as well as the individual stakeholders. This year, we did a deep dive on a number of key and emerging issues. That includes cost of food, food labeling, uh, plant and animal genetics, as well as sustainability. And finally, we ran a key driver and an advanced analytic technique to, to understand what are those issues that drive public trust and increase positive perceptions of the food system. Yeah. Now, you've just released the results here, um, the top line, and really, I, I think the big driver here is the cost of food and inflation. It is really what's on Canadian consumers' minds. Absolutely. The, those pocketbook issues, inflation, cost of food, cost of fuel, one, two, three, are driving the main concerns that Canadians are facing, and, and we're seeing a drop in concern for, for other uh, issues, climate change, affordability of healthy food. Food, those are all kind of taking a backseat um, when it comes to cost of food and inflation. Now, you know, cost of food is always one of your top issues, but it's even more this year with this environmental climate. You're right, you're right. Typically, every year, Canadians rank cost of food as the number one.
number one issue they're concerned about. But the rate of growth and the magnitude of Canadians who concern, are concerned about this is what's different and kind of shines a, a light on the fact that this is more important and more impactful to Canadians than, than years past. But what's interesting here as well is uh, your research points is out that consumers really have a pretty good understanding of what's driving inflation and food costs. There's not a lot of point, finger pointing going on yet. No, they, it really isn't. People have an understanding. Um, most think that food costs are rising because of supply chain issues. When we ask them about who specifically is to blame, not a lot of finger pointing. We're seeing people blaming inflation, COVID-19, and cost of fuel. Um, so they really have an accurate understanding of, of what's happening. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, global warming, climate change, sort of falling back a little bit. Not a, not a backseat issue here, but what's going on? Is it just a case of, of, of inflation really dominating people's psyche these days? A little bit, yes. So day to day, people are just worried about the cost of food, getting food on the table for their families. But when we ask people to look into the future and to predict what those threats will be to the food system, sustainability and climate change is one of those issues. So that's where the food system needs to step up and kind of help people feel secure um, when it comes to this threat to the food system. While they're busy uh, worrying about cost of food, the food and farming and agriculture system are, are making sure that this, the system is sustainable and will continue to provide food. Now you always ask about you know the direction of the food system, what Canadians think of that. And you know, it's down a little bit this year, but what always strikes me is the polarization here. You have a lot of people in, in the corner of the Canadian food system, a lot of people on the other side. You're right, you're right. So we have a significant increase in those who feel the food system is going in the wrong direction, um, and that's a reflection of loss of, of positive sentiments towards the right direction. Um, I guess encouragingly is the main reason people aren't happy with the food system isn't anything inherently wrong with the food system, but most it's just that cost issue. So, so they they're not blaming people, but they're just really unhappy with the cost of food. I want to talk about sustainability, a buzzword, uh, but me, but it means so much mm -hmm. as well throughout the food system, throughout this room. Um, I want a sense of, of of where we're at now. I mean, like there's a lot of your research shows a lot of good things happening, but a lot of work that needs to be done. You're right. Sustainability means a lot to a lot of people. Um, we kind of think of it as a, a multifaceted issue. So there's economic drivers, social drivers, um, food integrity drivers, and of course those environmental drivers. And that environmental issue uh, area is the area that the food system has an opportunity to, to show what they're doing and to communicate those efforts specific to uh, food waste and food packaging. Those are areas Canadians aren't quite confident in the food system's response to and, and an opportunity to, to communicate better on those issues. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Partly cloudy today, wind southwest 30, the high 7 degrees, the low minus 1. For tomorrow, Saturday, sunny sky, wind west 30, gusting to 50, the high 9 degrees, the low minus 5. Sunday, sunny, the high 7, the low plus 3. 
Monday, partly cloudy, and the high is 9 degrees, with a low of minus 2. Tuesday, cloudy, the high 8, the low minus 3. Wednesday, cloudy, 60% chance of flurries, the high 0, the low minus 6. Thursday, partly cloudy, the high plus 1. Normal high for this date is 5, the normal low is minus 7. The sun rose at 7.42 this morning. It sets at 5.42 tonight. And currently, the hot spot around the province, the hot spot is Coronac at 14 degrees. And the cold spot up north, Uranium City, at 0. Estevan is 7. Saskatoon, 6. Swift Current, 5. Weyburn, 11. Yorkton is 9 degrees. In Regina, with partly cloudy skies, it's 5 degrees. That's 40 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the southwest at 18. Humidity is 72%. The barometric pressure rising 101.5. It's cloudy in Moose Jaw, 4 degrees. Winds are from the south southwest, 35, gusting to 46. Once again, Regina, partly cloudy in 5. That's 40 Fahrenheit. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems, expect the best. Harvest progress sits at 95% complete across Manitoba, according to this week's crop report. James Fry is the Applied Production Specialist with Manitoba Agriculture, based in Roblin. He covers the northwest region of Manitoba. We're looking pretty close to that average in the northwest, uh, with uh, most of the crops off the field. Perhaps the exceptions to that might be uh, some scattered soybean fields here, or you know, just the occasional uh, field of wheat and canola here and there that may have had some some outlying reason why it isn't harvested yet. Fry highlights crop yields. Yeah, it looks as if um, you know the the wheat and the canola yields that we've been seeing. Um, over the last couple of weeks are, are continuing to hold. Uh, wheat is kind of averaged about 60 bushels an acre. And, uh, you know, we see uh, that ranges anywhere from about 40 to 85 or even, uh, you know, into the 90s. Uh, but like I said, the average there is about 60. And uh, canola is, um, you know, that, that average is, is kind of variable as well. You know, somewhere probably in about the, the mid 40s seems to be the average. And of course, uh, with the same range there. Uh, in terms of you know, canola, that is, there are, as I said, some, some canola fields that are still out. And, uh, you know, those would typically be because they were very late seeded or potentially set back in terms of uh, maturity by hail or some other um, in-season event like that. So those, those fields maybe are still out there. Uh, but otherwise, you know, pretty well wrapped up. One of the things that has uh, stood out this year, actually, is soybeans, uh, which in 2016, the provincial average was a, was a sort of a record-breaking 42 bushels an acre. And this year, we have surpassed that with a provincial average of 45. So that's an a interesting factoid. Uh, in the northwest region here, we, we see that some beans are still in the field and averages you know, are, are quite variable somewhere down as low as 20 and as high as 
60, but they kind of compare more or less to that provincial average. So good news for, for bean farmers. Fry's crop quality in Manitoba is quite good. Uh, it seems to be. You know, those those um, climactic factors are really going to take a, a, a make a make a big difference there in terms of you know the early seeded uh, or rather early harvested or time you know things that are harvested in a timely fashion. The the grade seems to be quite good, whereas you know some of the wheat that was harvested later or um, you know particularly was laying in a swath for longer. Um, those are definitely going to show a bit of a, a downgrade. So uh, it's, it's uh, difficult to answer with one, you know, with one response because it, it's very much dependent on the situation in the farmer's field. Fries as double-digit temperatures are expected this weekend in Manitoba and will help with field work. Yeah, I think so. There's, you know, uh, especially for, you know, there's a lot of bales yet to move in the field and obviously those need to be trucked around. So I think this is uh, definitely going to be a nice reprieve and um, and allow for a bit more mobility. Um, another thing perhaps to mention is um, corn silage, which uh, has been averaging about 16 tons per acre in this area. And uh, that kind of you know spreads out from about 14 to maybe up to about 20 tons per acre. Something that uh, anecdotally observations in the area is that there's been quite a lot of um, bear damage and other wildlife damage, potentially up to about a ton an acre that was lost in some fields to bear damage. So um, while that's not good news for farmers, it means the bears get to go in the winter a little fatter. Fry says, James Fry is the Applied Production Specialist with Manitoba. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. A farm toy show and sale will be held in Regina this weekend. Organizer Ray Storazuk says more than two dozen dealers will be involved in the 23rd annual Regina Toy Show and Sale at St. Basil's Parish Centre on Toronto Street. Well, the Farm Toy Show, uh, it's a variety of different toys, I guess you could say, from the past and current. And they're more uh, collectibles and, I guess you could say, uh, just like the real thing, but in miniature. What's the most valuable you've got? Oh, man, what have I got? It's it's a, a, tr- a farm truck set made by Linet. And virtually, I could say it's almost like priceless, you can say. <laughs> it's in mint condition. It's from 1959, 60. So how many dealers do you have there? Uh, we're going to have about, actually, we have 26 vendors. And they're showing all kinds of farm toys, but I assume there'll be also other toys, too. There's going to be uh, model trains. There'll be uh, all different scales, like different sizes of farm toys. Uh, there'll be cars and trucks, vintage toys as well. There'll be probably Matchbox. That'll be uh, a key item there for a lot of people. And uh, model kits, just a, a, a total variety of different toys. What's the best type of farm toy to collect? Ah, uh, man, my uh, my opinion on that <laughs> would be probably model trains. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about this show. What are the hours and exactly where is it? Sure. The uh, facility is at St. Basil's Parish Centre, which is at 1717 Toronto Street. And the show is going to run uh, Saturday from 10 in the morning till 5 in the afternoon and Sunday from 10 in the morning till 4 in the afternoon. 
and it's for anyone who wants to either buy or sell a, a, a toy or a farm toy? That's right. Virtually, there'll be a lot of items there for sale and you know, also on display as well. And also another key thing, we having it at St. Basil, Basil's Parish Centre, they'll have a, a, you could say, like a lunch uh, counter there where you can get your uh, famous rogies and cabbage rolls and sausage. That's all going to be available as well. Ray Storazuk is the organizer of the annual Regina Toy Show and Sale in Regina this weekend. Applications for the 2023 Agriculture Student Scholarship Program are now being accepted. Agriculture Minister David Merritt says the theme this year is farming and the environment. Applicants of this scholarship are encouraged to explore the idea of environmental sustainability within farming and the importance of public perception on modern farming. Applicants should focus on progressive environmental farm practices and the importance relaying the message to enhance public trust in the industry. Students are invited to submit a creative three-minute video or 1,000-word essay on farming and the environment. Scholarships will be awarded to students in grade 12 or recent graduates entering agriculture-related post-secondary studies in 2023. One winning scholarship of $4,000 and three runner-up scholarships of $2,000 will be awarded. The deadline to apply is March 1st. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update brought to you by Freeze Tallman Lumber. Since 1956, Freeze Tallman has been your trusted building materials supplier for every type of project. Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Capel. Grain markets were mixed in early trading today. Viterra prices for canola fell 8.30 at 8.42.42. Yellow peas gained 9.19 at 4.69.08. Number one red spring wheat dropped $2.11 at 4.25.40. The rest were unchanged. Durham 4.91.52. Feed barley 3.67.87. Chickpeas 9.25.95. Flax 7.52.98. Lentils seven sixty eight fifty, oats two sixty thirty two, and feed wheat two hundred eighty nine dollars fifty six cents. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, hard red spring wheat for December fell seven and a quarter cents at nine forty three and a quarter cent. It's the livestock reports on the source six twenty CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn Livestock, 842-4574. Now the latest Livestock Quotes. Hardline Livestock Services, Moose Had a lot of calves not show up here this week due to the big snowfall. Very welcome moisture, though. The calves that did show up, they sold to a strong demand. Cow market was lower this week, but it's been like that ever since the buffalo left. Good cows, 88 to 98. Medium cows, 79 to 87. And the Shelly cows, they're lower yet. Here's what happened on Tuesday. Joey Holbrook's 476 weight black steers. They bring 297, and they're right in the heart of the big money at Castle Butte. 535 weight reds and blacks on Thursday bring 290 and a quarter. We still got room here for our Tuesday, November 1st sale, but our Tuesday, November 8th sale is full. This is Grant Barnett reporting. Let's have one great afternoon. And the latest pork prices, 227.14 per CKG. Coming up... Th- this is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. And brought to you by Western Ag Professional Agronomy. If you want to make cropping decisions with confidence, visit growmoreprofit.com. 
Imperial Oil announced a plan to raise its quarterly dividend and buy back up to $1.5 billion in shares as it's reported a third quarter profit of more than doubled from a year earlier. The company says it will now pay a quarterly dividend of 44 cents per share, up from its previous dividend of 34 cents per share. The increased payment to shareholders came as Imperial reported its third quarter net income was $2.03 billion, compared with $908 million in the same quarter last year. Revenue and other income totaled $15.22 billion, up from $10.23 billion in the third quarter of 2021. The Canadian economy edged higher in August, and initial estimates point to continued growth in September as worries of an impending recession grow. Stats Canada says real growth domestic product grew by 0.1% in August, beating its initial estimate that suggested no growth for the month. The agency's initial estimate is also calling for growth of 0.1% in September, which would leave third quarter growth at an annualized rate of 1.6%, down from 3.3% in the second quarter. Karen Charbonneau of CIBC says the good news is there was at least some growth, but the report doesn't alter the bank's view that the economy will stall in the months ahead. On the markets, the TSX is up 61 points to 19,413. The Dow has risen 752 points to 32,786. Oil has fallen $1.67 at 87.41 per barrel. The Canadian dollar is at 73.40 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything A. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicide.